Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to uh, the new media show. I've got uh, Rob Greenlee on top, Angelo Mandato on the bottom. He's uh, getting his video turned on. He's uh, calling in for the first 20 or 30 minutes of the show this morning. We're going to talk about a couple of topics, but it's good to be back, Rob. We're out. It is. It is great to be back. You know, we missed a, a couple of shows, I think. Yeah, we were uh, off for uh, PodFest in Florida, and then... Uh, of course, I left, and, and but you stayed for Proclaim, and we're going to yep. talk about both of those events as well. So uh, are you uh, jet-lagged? Uh, are you still on East Coast time now? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I just I, I flew out here and in the morning yesterday and just went into my normal routine and got instantly acclimated. So it's <laughs> force yourself into it. <laughs> yeah. Someone was asking about the Star Cups. This is a Star Cups cup that you can reuse. This is a, uh, you can get these for, I don't know. They're perfect, though, for Keurig machines and stuff. You just drop them in the washer the next day and reuse them. So, but awesome. uh, go ahead, Rob. Oh, no, I was just saying those cups are great. I know they're, they're, they're hard. They're sturdy cups. They're not paper cups. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've uh, got a variety of topics today, but the main reason I wanted to bring Angelo on this morning is there's been a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of chit chatter about the recent Omni announcement. And, um, and of course, if you haven't announced it, they, Rob, you want to give the crux of the, of the news release that they had, or it's probably more of what they said before, but if you want to talk about it, just give the crux of the article, then we'll kind of dive in. Well, I think the big picture is, is that this was, um, kind of alluded to many months ago that they were they were going to come out with this uh tracking of what's happening in um itunes around the or the podcast app on itunes being able to give visibility to uh streams and to be able to see some undiscovered data that was that they've been able to from a proprietary perspective they've been able to dissect the um the, the log files and they're able to see the so-called 30% of all plays in the podcast app um, that are considered to be streams and that somehow this is a, um, a new thing and something that really makes, sets them apart in the market um, of being able to visualize this, this data and it gives a glimpse into what's happening in iTunes and things like that is, is kind of a, a, at its core here. And there, if you go to the article, you can actually see a graph of kind of the, the, the listening of, or the listening pattern of, I guess that just that 30% of listening specifically just in the podcast app. And so Todd, have I kind of explained it in a, yeah, yeah, I think that's the crux of it, uh, and yep. and they allude that it's only for the Apple Podcast app, which gets people all excited because they start asking all kinds of questions. Is there some sort of magic going on here? And well, um, yeah, but really, what and we'll get Angelo to jump in in a second, and and I'll have him kind of talk about this. And but I want to be up front. I'm not necessarily um um saying what they're doing is um not accurate yeah I'm, no, I'm, i would say that too i mean but it, I, it's it's good <clears throat> it's it's valuable data but um but i am yeah. but i am a little bit 
concerned, and we'll have to talk about this in depth, on the terms they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's good to set some perspective on what happens. But anyway, Angelo, I know you're trying to get your video working. It doesn't look like it's happening. So anyway, good morning. How are you? Oh, no, here he is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Can you hear us now? All right. Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a good view in the house without the light coming in from outside. Because nah, I know that ruins the picture. It's okay. We're, we're, we're good enough. Um, I, I know you probably just heard Rob and I just start kind of talking a little bit about the, uh, the Omni stuff. And I know I talked to you a little bit about it even last night, uh, you know, post-work hours, that I think the thing that I've, always been concerned when they've made these type of comments is they refer to everything as a stream. They're measuring the stream. And, and, and I know everyone to the general public, the word stream is an, and basically it's used for everything. But, um, (laughs) you know, I think what really boils down to, and at least, and you know, we may just have to change the way we're referring to stuff, but what happens, Angela, why don't you tell us technically what happens, the difference between a, a download and when someone actively plays and how it looks different in the log files and what's the mechanisms that you, that we use to tell the difference for a quote unquote stream, which is actually what I call a progressive download, but go ahead. Well, uh, we can't tell the difference technically. Um, when, but you can do some, uh, journalization. So, what happens is the download request will come in. The initial request is uh, hits the server and it says, "Give me the entire file." Um, when that request comes in, then the server starts returning the file, and then uh, the the app downloads it. So that would be a one request, one log entry. Everything is happy. Yeah. The problem is if you take a uh, mobile device like uh, like uh, my iPad here, and uh, you start to play or download. Um, it doesn't always download the entire file. It makes a decision based on how many other files you're downloading and what else is going on to then break that download into smaller chunks. Um, It does this also when you stream play it. So um, there is no necessarily a pattern on how these uh, files are broken up when they're being stream played as the term it's kind of being used right now. Um, What we use and as far as uh, developers are concerned is we're really looking at the byte range requests so just to explain what a byte range request is you have a file that's 10 megs and the device is has some logic and says well the internet connection here is only this fast let's download it in four chunks so the first byte range request is going to be from 0.0 to two and a half megs and then the second byte range request is from two and a half megs and one byte to five megs, for example. So mm-hmm. it keeps breaking these uh, breaking the large file into smaller chunks to download it. Um, there's multiple advantages to that. One being that if, for say, the internet uh, goes out, comes back in, and they have to restart, um, they don't have to restart from the beginning. It's able to just download from the last chunk and and continue. Oh, his. His connect. He must be on a wireless connection. Are you? We lost him. Yeah, he's on a byte range request. He downloaded the last packet right. and that played through, <laughs> and he didn't get the next one. <laughs> or we didn't get the next one. Right. 
So, <laughs> wow, he just froze. So really, I think what it, okay, he, hey Angelo, you oh, you cut oh, out for like okay. forty seconds. Oh, <laughs> so it basically you said that basically where we lost you as you say that it's zero to two point five, and then go ahead. Oh right, so. Um, it, it breaks the download into those chunks, so then it'll do two and a half megs and one byte to five megs and so on. Um, that way, if, for say, the internet were to cut out like mine just did, yep. <laughs> then it would resume at the last chunk and restart doing that same chunk rather than having to start all the way at the beginning. Yep. Um, and that's built into mobile devices because of the volatility that they have. So... You know, we've been measuring for a long time for our enterprise customers, and I'll talk a little bit about that for a while. We've been measuring, and we don't call it um, basically minutes listened. We call it, uh, we, we talk about the percentage downloaded um, because really that's, um, and maybe that's not even the exact right term, but it's percentage download because that's what's really happening. The media is still, if you hit play, it's still being downloaded. The media in the log file is, is being downloaded, even though you're playing it actively, or it downloads the whole thing. So how can you tell when we're doing our stuff for our enterprise customers, how do you break out those, you know, is, can, you, can we say without a doubt that when, you, when a 50% when a, when a of a file is downloaded and it stops because either the internet's quit or the person has stopped listening. Can you for without a doubt say that that is a download or a stream or is it just, or could it be both? Right. So, well, let me use, for example, I just took a show on the iPad here and I downloaded it or I, I shouldn't say download. I hit just hit play. So I'm not subscribed to it. Yep. So then it's kind of doing what, the service is doing is it's looking at that particular kind of request. Sure. And then what I did is I went into settings and turned off Wi-Fi. And I don't have 3G or 4G service on here. So as soon as that happened, and then I went back, it was still playing. And it played for about three minutes until I finally paused it for this call that we're having. Um, so that means that it the, the iPad downloaded at least three minutes that it didn't get to when the when the internet was uh, disconnected, right? Yeah. So, and I don't know. It could be more than that. It could be five minutes. Um, it's probably more or less on byte size than it is on minutes on what the the device buffers. But um, there's that buffer period that you can't count because you don't know if it was listened to or not. Sometimes, if you're on a great connection, I've noticed when you you hit play on the podcast app and you are not subscribed. I mean, it just, shh, and you get the whole thing sometimes. It's, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes you, like you said, you can see the progress. It, it doesn't get the whole file. So I, I think my point here is, is, and Rob, what we've been doing is we know that there's, there's some trends that we see. You know, oftentimes we'll see a, a file that's a sampled, a little bit of it sampled, um, and it doesn't, Start, and it, there's no more that happens. You know, maybe a 500K of it is sampled. And then sometimes we see where, um, and again, this is strictly looking at uh, what was delivered because of the, the log files because we've restitched that data back together. And over a set period, we have to look if they've come back hours later. 
you can see whether or not in, th- in that instance, they probably were actively playing. And again, I don't like to use the word stream because it's not a stream, but that's what everyone seems to want to call it these days. Um, is, is It basically will pick up, obviously. So I think what we'll, what we have to be careful of, and in, maybe they've got something else going on here, and, and I'm not saying they, they don't, but I don't see how they can differentiate between a live player that is not subscribed and a download from the log file. Now, could they be doing something? Is there anything they could do in the log files, Angelo, to trigger it to look differently? But the user agent's the same from Apple, right? Apple sets the user agent. You don't know if it's a download or a active play because the user agent data is exactly the same, right? Right. As far as what we see in our logs, we see the same behavior every time. Um, it's using the same user agent for a download or play. And um, the one thing that I still haven't figured out yet, though, is if you play if you play an episode, and then and then you decide to download it, it seems to happen rel- relatively quickly because it's already has it in the memory on the or in the storage on the device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I haven't confirmed yet if it's still remaking new requests to the server to make sure it's still getting the same file. So it might still look like a second download um, that I haven't confirmed. But one thing you can assume is that whether it's it's being stream played or downloaded and played later, um, you can't just make the assumption that one or the other always happens. Right. But you could... Um, you could, though, draw a conclusion that in most cases, when you see byte range requests, it's probably getting um, played rather than, than downloaded to be played later. But you can't always make that assumption because, again, downloads can be uh, interrupted and resumed. And the device internet could could dictate that the uh, download is broken into smaller chunks from the get-go. And, Rob, just so you know, too, we don't... When we're looking at this, uh, and I, let's call it partial download or complete download, or you know, let's use that term on our side for our enterprise customers, we don't differentiate it from an Apple device. We say this is globally what we are seeing across yeah. all devices. We're seeing, um, you know, twenty-five percent of the uh, episodes or twenty-five percent of the instances where there was an interaction on that file that he got to eighty percent and. 72% that went to 100% and three, you know, and I'm just making up numbers here. Um, 3% that only sampled the first 5% of the show, you know, so there's, you know, so we've never really said this and for them to make, and this is where I really, my eyeball kind of turns sideways is when they say that they can tell the accuracy within almost a second of when someone hits stop. I, I'm, I, I don't know where's that data coming where from. Where is okay? Question. How okay? Yeah. They must yeah. either they're forcing through their server system smaller chunks, which I don't know if that's even possible. But you know, what's your thoughts on that? Are they employing something server side to be able to get accuracy down to a second? Could they do that, Angela? I, I don't know. And they're they're oh, doing force uh, so, force smaller bite size requests or something like that. Um, I don't know. No, you, well, you can't do that. But um, so I'm looking at one of our clients, and just to give you guys an idea of what's happening, we're looking at 
um, I just looked at one specific episode where we see the partial range requests and obviously the completed download requests. Mm -hmm. So in this particular episode, because it's only two minutes long, um, there's zero that are in that, that even though there were partial ranges, there were zero that were, there were, um, on that were in that range of 500 K of the file was downloaded to hundred percent. So what I'm really saying is since it was so small, if people played it enough of it, they played the whole thing. Or so, enough of it was downloaded that it was buffered. The whole the whole thing was buffered. So what about a bigger, um, longer show? Well, well, here, let me give you this data first. So I'm looking at um, a sample. It looks like here, if you had a total of 1,000 downloads, uh, 300 of those were, were downloads where not enough was downloaded, less than 500K. And there's an overhead in ID3 and MP3 files, so you can't count any of the stuff where only part of the, the first part of the files download, and that's it. And then another um, uh, 300 were completely downloaded in one request, which is great. Um, so then you were looking at that other 400 where it was broken into uh, multiple requests, and we still see uh, almost all of that is 100%. It's or a little bit of is just a little bit below a hundred percent where the file is downloaded. So and yeah, but, so let me grab a, a larger file, yeah, a longer one, because the two minute one you can almost almost assume you hit play and like within three seconds you've got the whole file, you know, mm -hmm. right on a good connection, yeah. which most people have today. Plus, plus before we jump ahead, sure. um, one thing, um, just because you can see these byte range request packets getting downloaded off the server that is not um listened to data i mean i mean they may or may not listen to that data just because it was downloaded doesn't mean that it was listened to but correct it, but also just so we're clear sometimes you have downloads if i mean angela correct me if i'm wrong sometimes you have an actual download where it's doing it automatically that's still chunked into byte range requests am i right in saying right, that right I use that example in the okay. beginning when we start talking okay. that um, yeah. like the internet is not very uh, fast. So the, the phone decides we're going to break this up into chunks because there is a risk of the internet going out, coming back. And we don't want to have to resume all the way from the beginning. Yep. Um, it also does that for acceleration purposes. So, um, and probably the, um, if you remember in the late nineties, 2000, first 2000 years, um, <laughs> yeah. The one of the popular add-ons to our browsers was called a download accelerator, and it did exactly just this. It broke it at one large file download into many smaller chunks, and then would download them concurrently. So, what is your? Have you got a something pulled up there that's a little longer episode? Yeah, um, so this one has got much more data. So you know from the. So so, Rob, unless they're doing something server-side, I don't know how they're claiming they can figure out where the stop point is within seconds. Well, because they can't really control when that user is actually playing or not playing. They can only, they can only see when the byte range files are getting transferred. Right. right? And, and so when I'm ha when I, yeah. oftentimes if I'm listening on a show and I, yeah. I don't even hit stop, I just like kind of like, Sometimes I just flip the app to, you know, double click and flip the app or I don't often hit stop. Sometimes I 
Well, yeah. I guess maybe I do, but. Well, and they can't see button action anyway. No, no, they cannot see button action. And by the way, we've invited Omni on the show. They've had an open invitation to the show for a long time, and I'm sure they're going to watch us and want to come on. So, uh, you know, drop us an email. We happen to have you on the show, and you can explain how you're doing this so that, uh, you know, we can understand um, how, what magic you're doing to, you know, be able to determine within a second. Now, they're saying they're using heuristic um, type of uh, off-board processing of data to figure this out, and it, it's still just log data, folks. So go ahead, Angela. What's your longer show? So, yeah, and uh, I can get you the file size here in a second. So the file size, and, and maybe I'm nerding out a little bit with the file size, but uh, the file size here is, as soon as it gives me the... He's digging deep. Plus, yeah, so we're talking also, a 10, now we're talking a 10 meg file. Okay. Which is like 20 minutes of recording because they're using, uh, they're doing it mono. At 64 um, yeah. Right. Roughly. So we're looking at um, about almost 50% of all the downloads that we count. And this is after our algorithms parsing stuff out um, are completely downloaded in one request. So 50% the, of them, 100% first request. Right. And then the other 50%, we see a lot of this multi requests, the byte ranges. Sure. So of the byte range data, we have about um, 10 or a little bit more, 11% are uncountable. Not enough of the file was downloaded, so we just throw that out. Less than 500K. And, right. And then between that 25, between that 500K to 25%, or I'm sorry, I got that wrong. That's 11% is the between 500K to 25%. Um, the stuff we don't throw out, actually, is not even in this. Percent. Oh, right. You it's don't another, even... Right. So actually, so if, if I'm looking at the uncountable stuff, that would increase it by another 50%. So if you had 100,000 downloads, there were really 150,000 downloads that would have been counted probably by a system that doesn't know better. We threw out 50,000. And here's right there. And just so you guys know, so you understand what Angela said about overhead in the ID3. So every time you put a, um, a graphic in your ID3 tag, so if that graphic is 380k, 400k, 500k. That's what gets served first. Is is the audio file. So if some if if something comes in in samples, I'm just telling too much here. If something comes in in samples, a show, and it and it we don't see more than 380, 400, 500k of the file having being downloaded. If there's no more requests beyond that, they haven't even got to the they, audio. They haven't got to the audio. So that right. goes and I, that goes out. And I should and I should say that we honed in this 500k for this particular client based on their artwork averaging 250 to 300k. Um, and and there is some other overhead. So depending on if you write a lot of text in your ID3 tags, that can also increase it a little bit. But you can write a lot in 1k. Right. But oh. you can't put a lot of image in 1k. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. so so um, go on and talk. So I. Well, I've seen some other shows where I, I audited to see, you know, where these ID3 tags end up in most shows. And it's all over the place. Some podcasters use the 1400 by 1400 image from iTunes. And that brings the ID3 payload well over one meg. Um, 
And just to give you a reason why this is a bad idea of putting large images in your ID3 tags, um, if you hit, if you're on a web player on your website and you hit play, what has to happen now is that player has to download that first mag and get past that image before it even gets to your audio. So if you're if your listener is using like a 3G service, it's going to sit there for a good 10 or 12 seconds before it finally starts playing the audio because their internet is not that good. And if you just used a 300 by 300 version of your image in the ID3 tags, your ID3 payload would be somewhere around 200K. And maybe within a second or two, then they would finally start getting to your audio and start being able to listen to it. So that reason of itself is a good reason not to overload your ID3 tags. All right, so let's... So, yeah, so let, let's, let's be really clear. Putting your ID3 um, tag, you know, graphic in there um, potentially can can inflate your numbers on some platforms. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that an accurate assessment of what's possible here? Especially if they're... Well, <laughs> yeah. Angelo doesn't want to answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's oh. talk... Go ahead. Let's talk. Sorry, yeah, let, let me give you an example, actually. So if, I want to. I want to. Uh, before we. Before we. Let, Rob, keep that thought. But yeah. Angelo, I want you to go ahead and talk about the rest of the percentages on that file that you looked at. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, so if if well, let's just that we're able to count. Okay. So of the data that we're actually able to count, fifty percent are downloaded one hundred percent with one request. That's that's great, but the other fifty percent are partial. Yep. So of that partial data, we have um, another thirty uh, percent of that is almost all completely downloaded as well. So we're up to so eight- what that's telling. Go ahead. That? So we're up to eighty percent that it was actually almost completely down, or fifty percent completely, thirty percent that was like ninety nine percent or something. Right, 75 okay. to 99%. And then when we audited that, it was almost always getting to that 99%. And what we attribute that to is a situation where um, this, this one client anyway um, does ad insertion, and there's situations where the file size changes, so the client still ends up with the file, but we're not getting the... Um, it doesn't look like it's the it's the 100% of the file. So there is that little bit of situation. So we're basically talking about a couple bytes, maybe 200 K right. at most right. difference. Here. Um, and then, so that's 30%. And then another uh, 3% is that 50 to 75% of the file was downloaded. Mm-hmm. Another 5% is that uh, 25 to 50% of the file downloaded. And then that 500 K to 23, I think I t- mentioned that's about 11%. So that's uh, let's see, 16, 19, 20. So we're pretty close to hundred percent. Um, I'm roughing it with because I'm looking at actual numbers and I don't want to give those out of this uh, client. Yeah. So, so I think, Rob, you know, unless there's something dramatically different happening in how they've got their CDN set up to, and, and I, that would be beyond me, but maybe, maybe they are. But I, I just, so just, just take it on the surface. Um, and just so everybody fully understands where we're at, the podcast app, when you actively play or stream, let's just use that word stream, and maybe that's, again, the word we're going to have to start using, it gives you a little bit at a time, and then when you hit stop, that 
buffer data is still there. Now, um, maybe what they're doing is later on, if that person comes back and hit play, maybe they're picking the chunk up. But normally, I don't think that's the case. Um, who knows? But it makes you wonder how they can say they've got accuracy within a second. 10%? Well, I'll buy. Well, Todd, if they come back in and play it later, isn't it, it there's a great likelihood that they haven't finished playing the last byte request, right? Angela, when they pick up and play later, does it make a re-request for media or does it pick off where it left off with the current chunk it, chunk it has in the system? Well, the the way uh, HTTP works, um, we don't see that 200 completed until they download the last byte range request. And actually, that's a whole other problem, too, right. in that there's a possibility where someone started hitting play, and then they fast-forwarded near the end, mm -hmm. and then listen to the end, and then we get that 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 particular bit, last byte range request, and the server assumes that it was all downloaded, and it might not have been. Right. But that's a little deep in the weeds. I wouldn't be concerned about that myself. But essentially, and the reason why we've never called it, this is how long a person has listened, is because you, technically it's not. It's technically well, well, it's how much. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. It's right? technically because, how much of the yeah. file was delivered. Now you can make some yeah. assumptions from that. Yeah. I can convert that into a number because I know how big the file size is and the coding rate. I can say, hey, it, uh, you know, on a 10 minute file when they did, uh, they, they uh, got 70% of the media file downloaded. Well, I can say they listened for seven minutes. I can say that too. Um, but is it actually accurate? This is where words matter. And this is the issue I have. I, I, I don't have an issue with what they're doing. Congratulations. But I have an issue well, with words. Go ahead, Angelo. Yeah, here's one issue, too. Um, it seems like um, in the past four years, there's been a mission to try to get our metrics to line up with streaming. Yeah. And uh, as much as I, I think that's great if it's literally is streamed. Mm -hmm. um, so if you actually use like Shoutcast or some other servers to do the streaming, then you know exactly where they were at when they stopped. Yeah. But when you're looking at download data, um, it's not quite genuine because of the example I was giving. Um, oh. But not only that, but we can measure download data like we just did with percentages of how much it's downloaded. And you can you can draw the conclusion that that percentage of my media was able to be consumed, just like yeah. a completed download. We know the entire episode was able to be consumed, but it it it's we still can't say for sure that they listened to it once, or they they listened to it twice, or they even took the MP3 and shared it with a colleague. That's unfortunately the the challenge with podcasting, and. Um, I mean, I understand where they're coming from. They're trying to solve a problem that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Sure. But the podcasting industry for 12 years now has been completely comfortable with this concept of download and play um, that it kind of doesn't help the industry. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, when I get on my high horse and it's because I understand what Angela's just told us. And unless someone can come in and say, okay, great, this is the way you're doing it, but we're doing it completely different. If they come out and say, we have found a different way to do this and what you're saying is bunk, okay, cool, all right, uh, congratulations. 
but uh, I think we've been doing. No one else. You guess you know. No lot. I'm the one that likes to talk publicly, and I'm, I'm the loud mouth. You know. So, but guess you know. What, what else did I have emailing me? You know, half a dozen people saying, "Can you believe this?" And you know, comment, comment, comment. You know, so. I, I again, Omni, come on on and and talk to us and and explain how you're doing this different, and use the terms you want to use. But we want to, you know, and if they're using some heuristic application or they've come up with some logarithm that's that's really slick, well, that's good. But I am again, I just know what is technically available and what comes from the podcast app. There's nothing. They're not getting no data from Apple. They're, they don't get any play or, or start or fast forward button calls back. None of that happens. And, and, oh, by the way, this is not just the podcast app. You can get this partial download data from every single app that's in existence that allows you to hit play without yep. subscribing to a show. So it's not just the podcast app. Well, and actually it's not that useful just to look at the, the Apple podcast app with this data. This is behavior that is going on across all the listening apps it's far more it's far more helpful to look at the you know your whole distribution than just one part of it sure it's great to see what apple is right. but it's it's not any different than listening to or seeing the data from the overcast app it's going to be the same situation i have that data actually and and here's yeah, and, yeah. and here's something that you know and while angela's looking that up here's something that everyone needs to think about too even the partial download data is is really valuable. I'm not mm-hmm. discounting its value. It's really value. And here's a case study. You know, um, the client sure. uh, saw that they were losing uh, audience shared about the 75% of the show. They were not, uh, for those, those partial requests that weren't automatic downloads, they weren't getting to the end. They went in and looked at the content and found a segment within their content that they thought, hmm, I wonder if we change this. They made a change to the content, and they significantly increased the yeah. listening time. So they made some assumptions from that data based upon mm-hmm. how much of the file was downloaded or chunked or byte served. <laughs> um, but it's just not really download. precise. It's just not really precise. Well, Plus, in the the quote uh, from the company. Um, they do say that they're they're potentially w- willing to release a technical document oh, to show everyone how to do it in the hopes that it will help um, more in the industry. Well, so I, I encourage them to do so. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know what? I, I don't know if it was a company rep, but you know, one of the conversations that the guy was poo pooing IAB and saying it was my group. First of all, the IAB has been around <laughs> many, yeah. many years before I have been, and we joined the IAB and got on the measurement committee largely to uh, protect the podcasting space. And Rob, you were there. You, you knew what was going on. Um, oh, yeah. And it needed uh, podcast company intervention um, in the early days, and that's all I'll say. But, um, you know, it, it, according to one of the guys at Omni, they're, uh, they're working with the IAB in Australia. So I, I, they should be in the working group. And contributing, and 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 uh, you know, if this if they've come up with something that's exciting, um, but I want to know the technical details. Well, maybe they, you know, it's proprietary. Maybe they don't want to share because they think they've got, or they maybe they think, well, maybe they think they have something special. Um, 
And, and one person says, well, they'll be, you can roll up a, a hundred servers and you can process this today and it's, uh, it doesn't cost anything. Well, let me just explain too, to get this, you know, why don't we give this data to our podcasters now? Number one, I need to raw log data to do this. That's the number one thing. Number two, oh man, oh man. I mean, dedicated monster server to process the log data because you're, you know, you're going back and forth, you know, you're looking for those lost chunks. You're looking for the guy that's come in 18 hours later to put it back together. You know, that is, and you're doing that per episode. I mean, per episode, per download, you're doing that. Do you know how much work that is? How much massive, um, to restitch that all together? And maybe I'm making it sound harder than it is. Angela can say if I'm right, I'm wrong on that. But, you know, we, we have to have dedicated resources that basically sit and hammer for hours just for one client and 300 shows. Am I wrong? No, yeah. Uh, the, the amount of resources we have for our enterprise clients is about 10 times what we do for our uh, pro uh, statistics. So it's, it's not insignificant. And I think they even said in their press release, they're giving this to their enterprise clients as well. And I'm sure it's a premium because it's, it is expensive. Well, and also, I mean, let's let's also kind of talk about what they say at the very end of this article. Is is the the lack of consumption data has historically held podcasting back? <laughs> uh, I don't know that that's uh, that's a portrayal of of real accuracy. I'm not yeah. sure that not having this data at this granular level has really held the industry back. So, Rob, and we got two points. I I need to let Angela go because we're already I'm holding him 15 minutes beyond what I said I would, but. Um, okay. Angela, did you look the overcast data up? Um, overcast data on, in our metrics, you mean? Yeah. And the partials. Yeah. How it's different uh, or if it's not. Well, I mean, there's actually an app called overcast. Right. So, right. I mean, I can yeah. actually find that app in the list. Um, overcast. But there's something unique about the Apple podcast app as far as in the metrics oh. compared to like an overcast. Is the question okay. as far as over as far as overcast itself, as far as yeah. percentage of market share, it's not even in the sliver of one percent. Well, we're talking about uh, is overcast doing something different in oh. the consumption than the podcast app is doing Te from a technical standpoint? Is yeah, it or is it all see, pretty much the same how. stuff? You can't you can't do anything on the server side to make the app do something different. Yeah, uh, and actually. On the opposite token, Apple itself for the desktop and iOS app, they have some very strict rules on how your server is supposed to support head requests. And the first thing that they do before they download it is they do a head request to get the file size. So if you're manipulating that even, you could jeopardize the, the entire download. So I'm assuming then, based on what you're saying, of course, I don't know if you've looked at the raw data here today, but I'm assuming then you're saying that Overcast basically consumes media, whether it's an active play or a download. And it, it, even though it, it'll give the recognizing tag that it's an over, the Overcast that's doing it, it essentially, am I right in saying that it essentially does it exactly the same as the podcast app from Apple? Is that accurate? Well, you, now you're, you're comparing their own app? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. So we'll have but, to. But I was looking at the 
just I, I'm looking at this particular show mm-hmm. where the, the where that actual client falls in the list, and there's other clients, five other clients above it in the ranking. Okay. I mean, we're talking the BlackBerry podcast app is double <laughs> the amount of consumption in this specific um, in this specific show. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think what, uh, what we were talking we about have, is uh, how HTC for Android is four times. That. Yeah, so Rob, Zoom, I don't think Zoom Marketplace is five is uh, five times. Okay, so just for this, we're not going to get an answer to. We're not going to be able to finally answer then if the Overcast app is downloading the same way the podcast app does. We will have to leave that on the table, and that's a right. good good question to ask or to research. One one last thing, Rob, you I cut you off earlier. You had a question to ask Angelo. I told you we'd come back to and then. We'll let Angelo go unless Angelo's got something else he wants to share. But what was your question, Rob? Well, I'm trying to think what it was now. Um, it was about the first, there could be, I think you were talking about with the ID3 tags and wasn't that the. Oh, yes. About the, if you put a, you know, a large image in your, uh, your ID3 tags, um, does that somehow cause you to have higher numbers um, because the client is actually pulling that um, more than maybe they're pulling the audio. Uh, is that, is that an accurate you know, assessment of what's happening here as, uh, as people are accessing these, these files? Well, um, so we did a analysis of this before. So the real crux of it have to do that, um, media files have these ID3 tags in the first place, or this metadata. So if web-based players, um, if you're not careful on how you set up the player, could yeah. download what they call the, the that meta information, even mm-hmm. though it never actually plays the file. And depending on how smart the, uh, yeah. the, the, the browser is, it could inadvertently download the first, um, you know, one meg of the file simply because there was a 500k image in there and it needs to go beyond that before it has enough information to read the id3 tags and so so, and this happens if you ever load a page up um Mm -hmm. that has a podcast and it Mm -hmm. somehow detects the duration like two or three seconds later in that case it downloaded the first part of the file just to find that out Um, and usually Doing that comes at a cost, too, for your website performance. So if you have a web page that has 10 episodes on it, and you don't have that, if you have that preloading attribute set wrong, it will download all of those media files. And at the same time, the user loading that page will get the impression that the site is still loading. Because they're they're, they're self-hosting, yeah. 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 So, Rob, you wanted to jump in. I heard you want... Go ahead. Yeah, the... I guess the question gets back to, you know, so when a user clicks to play a, um, a particular episode and it has cover art in there, like you said earlier, the first part of what gets downloaded is that cover art image. And then you get to the audio. Um, the question gets back to is there's usually probably a little bit of latency there, right? Between clicking the button and when the audio plays. And I'm sure many platforms will actually count that as a play, even though they've only downloaded the cover art, right? Well, if there's too Correct. much yep. latency, they could bounce, right? Correct. Right, yep. And so 
one rule that we have in place for our uh, statistics redirect system is that there are no players that preload the media. That way, when someone actually does hit play, we're getting that count it, mm-hmm. with the intent to play. Um, and furthermore, if there is preloading, we could use our enterprise system in order to detect that um, and then uh, identify where that's happening with the refer and the website data. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where I was getting to, Todd, with the whole inflated numbers. Is that you know people may not have even listened to anything, mm-hmm. right? And but that's being counted as a play. And this is where you know years and years and years of looking at data and millions and millions and millions of trending lines. You know we've been you know it's nothing is ever going to be absolute, but yeah. you know it's pretty damn good from a you know. You know, and, and if people knew how many downloads we had to throw away, they would they would scream in horror, you know, because there's just a lot that is not human induced. And yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, so it's 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 unfortunate, but that's just just the case. And l- listeners yeah. are coming in and out of this content um, um, continuously for their phone rings. They get interrupted. They're. They have to put their phone down for a second. Or, I mean, there's all sorts of behavior that users have with their devices mm-hmm. that um, gets in the way of accurate tracking of uh, of listening here. Right. Um, and that's, that's the other factor. I know that um, there are individuals in this space that um, absolutely hate the fact that there's any kind of variability in this data, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um they they want it to be exact and precise and the same every time and know exactly what's happening. And there's some people in the podcasting industry that just drives crazy, back crazy. They can't they, – they don't understand how that's possible, how things can be um, um, imprecise. So, but for some reason it's – I mean, in some ways it is precise. It's overly yeah, and, precise and that's why it's, it's – um, th- there's a lot unknown. Yeah, there's there's organizations out there too that that don't understand what's happening, and they're just pulling, uh, they're making assumptions um, yep. without even looking at their own data. Um, there's one organization that decided that, you know what, we're going to count a download after 200k of it, of the file was requested. Exactly. And then I just did a spot audit and I looked at some of their shows and their ID3 tags payload is somewhere around four to 600k. So you so know what they're doing to me, there. They right? should be yeah. around 700k or more before they count a download. Yeah. You know, and, nobody's nobody's even gotten any audio yet. Right, right. And if and if we know that in a partial because we got this partial data that only 500k was delivered and we're looking at that and you know that the payload on the ID3 tag is is 600, that's an automatic out. That's an automatic kill it. Yeah. You know, no count it. You know, so just so we're all continue to be clear here, um, I am, uh, I just call a spade a spade and I call it the way I see it. And, uh, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad, but we've been doing this so long that when someone says something and I, and you're going to go out and talk to reporters and make claims and you're using terms that are technically incorrect but within i guess people just don't know the difference between a progressive download yeah. and a stream so i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that yeah. but um again if they've come up with some secret sauce that is able to figure this out completely uh, you know i'll be the first to applaud them 
but I, I question based upon what I know on how consumption works. And again, Omni, come on on. I'm happy to have you on, and, and, and uh, we can have a friendly conversation. Um, and same thing with reporters. Re- you know, reporters, you need to ask around. When someone feeds you some data, um, you, maybe you should call a few people. Don't call me. Call uh, PodTrack. Call Libsyn. Call, you know, call PRX. Call, you know, call around. You can call me if you want. We'd be happy to talk to you. Um, you forgot you forgot Spreaker. And Spreaker, I'm sorry. Call call Rob. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, Angela, anything to add? No, I think that, I think we're beating the dead horse. Yeah, yeah, say yeah. Now, but uh, <laughs> there's there's so much in this episode, and I think you're a lot of people are gonna open their eyes when they start thinking about this stuff. But you know, I'll leave you with this. You know, just with uh, what we're seeing, seventy to eighty percent of these files, even when they see the byte range request, are getting nearly completed downloads. So we're we're only arguing about this partial data for about twenty to thirty percent of the consumption. Right, which they they alluded to in their article. But that's yeah. Cool. So I guess then the key is how are they getting it down to the second? If they if they change that to ten percent, maybe I'm a little more okay. That yeah, I I can see that. But Again, I can well, start calling my stuff a stream. I think that's what we should do. We should start calling our stuff a stream and percentage of listen, because no one knows the, no no one knows the difference. It's called time spent <laughs> listening, right? And actually, T-T-L-S. we could do that. But then we have yeah. to we have to disclose a margin of error, right? And the margin that's of error right. is going to be it. based totally. on you know yep. taking random uh, files like I just did on this thing and. Um, you know, disconnected the Wi-Fi and then seeing how long it goes. Right. And, and it depends on another, Yeah, and that's another question for Omni, too. Are, are they disclosing a, um, a margin of error here? Good question. Angela, yeah. thanks. I know you're uh, busy getting ready to... Uh, Angela is, is buying a new house, so he's in the middle of a house house uh, transition, so he's busy, so... Thank you. Uh, thanks, Angelo. Uh, That's great. Uh, a new used house, but yeah, and, not a new new house. <laughs> new to you. And, and I know I know many of you are going to maybe have questions for Angelo. Please uh, email me. I'll buffer those to him. Uh, I've got him very busy, and if you load him up with fifty emails, um, I can help appease the load. So just send them to me, Todd at Blueberry.com, if you have questions to Angelo. And anyway, so Angelo, thanks. We'll see you on the next go around here. All right. Thanks a lot for having me. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, Angela. Take care. See ya. Okay. So. (laughs) Wowza, right? Yeah. It's good to kind of, kind of look at that from a more technical level. I think we did an okay job of explaining it where people can understand this stuff, but you know, you're definitely in the weeds when you start looking at this stuff right? at a, at a granular level. And it's like you said, terms are important. Yep. And unless you really understand what some of these terms mean, it can be confusing and, and these, and these Rob, things are difficult. And Rob, I had a room full of technical experts where we had to put this up on a, on a visual display and yeah. break it down from line by line. Were you at that meeting? And no, it, it I wasn't. Had to break it down line by line to make them understand their own tech. Yeah. And make them go, oh. You know, so sometimes even the experts 
don't fully understand it is com- and it's it's in, in in the scheme of things it's not that complicated you just need to know what you're looking for but if they've done some secret juice some some secret sauce or something uh bring it on if they've changed the way they're delivering media who knows it might be that might be the case but yeah every we CD- just don't know we just don't know um what we do know is what they've said right and we can look at it and understand it through the filter of our understanding of how this works from a technical perspective. And, and I I don't think there's anybody better to talk to about this than Angelo, um, to get, you know, to get it pulled out and understood. Uh, we can only explain it in the, the simplest terms, but in some ways these are, these are complex relationships that these, um, clients have with the servers and you know, knowing what data is there, what data is possible, what data is correlatable is that's the complex. That's the devil in the weeds mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, you just, um, I mean, you have to talk to somebody that really is in in there looking at that stuff. And most people aren't in there looking at this stuff. Right. And my only, again, my only argument is terms, uh, not features, terms, yeah. and back your claims up with. Uh, you know, I would never, I could never make the claim that we can track to the second. Never. Yeah. Not in the current way we're, you know, looking at the CDNs we use. And we, and we have a variety of clients that use a variety of CDNs. So they all report data back in, you know, the Apache log format a certain way. And, you know, unless they've, they've tricked something, I, I don't know. But, okay. Anyway. Well, that- even, even in the Shoutcast streams tracking, um, they typically only track down to the minute. Right. And, and so, yeah. And if they're if they're serving their media via shoutcast server, but then 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 it's a whole different story. Right? It is. That's that's truly, you know, stringing that MP3 out, right? you know, that's, on a that's, on that, a byte basis, you know. That's a whole different story. That's I'll say, yep, you sure can, you know. Yep. Yeah, um, but that, that's not what we're talking about here. Well, There's no streaming going to Apple's podcast apps. They did use the word streaming. so. <laughs> well, honestly, to be fair, Apple uses that term too. Yeah, I you know. know. If you look in their, their site yeah. managers for networks, um, they, they break it out there too. But the difference is that they can actually See look the, at the click uh, action on mm-hmm. the player buttons. Right, right. Um, that's the difference. Um and there's no way that any of us can see that data. So in the end, I'm just uh, call a spade a spade, and you know, it, it, I, if I'm wrong, I'm willing to say I'm wrong and we'll move forward. But uh, uh, prove me wrong. Okay, um, let's move on. <laughs> okay. Podfest. Podfest. Pod, yeah. Podfest, yeah. folks. Hi, welcome. I know you're listening to hear our deep down deep analysis of the event. <laughs> yeah, I think we lost some people though. Did did we? Yeah, we killed them at the beginning with the technical stuff, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So we'll have to, to see where are we at in the show. We're at about the fifty-five minute mark. Boy, oh boy. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, we went in the weeds. Sorry on the yeah, data. But it, yeah, but it's been a hot topic. The other one was so I had a hot topic and but Podfest. Uh, I'll just start with you know, give my kind of run through. Um, growing show. Uh, regional, largely mostly folks from Florida, but a huge number of new podcasters, the 80% maybe. Um, yeah. 
I talked well, to a part of the country that hasn't really had a podcasting event no, for people to come out to. No. Yeah. So a um, lot of brand new faces. You know, there was a few uh, of the regulars there, but uh, like 80% of the folks, I, what's your show? And either they were like under 10 episodes or they were like in this formative stage or they were just yeah. getting ready to launch. Yeah. So, uh, in for, you know, for you and I, for business perspective, you know, that was awesome. And be yeah, able it's to, a great show. Yeah, yeah, to hand out, uh, you know, basically uh, it was um, us at Blueberry. There was Podbean that were right next to us. There was Spreaker. You were right behind us. And Libsyn was there. So yep. four of us uh, competing for uh, 250 new customers. <laughs> so uh, if we if if we all get 60 yeah. each, that was a uh, that was a successful show, you know. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. That's true. But it does actually really point to to how all of us view Podfest um, as a as a, a up and coming event. Yeah, uh, one that uh, maybe over over the next couple of years could be a much more significant contributor to. You know, building community and building, um, bringing in new podcasters in, into the the fold. So you know, to be fair, I I um I had basically went back and looked through my emails to get the breakdown of how many new podcasters, at least said they were new, that went to a podcast movement, and they had about three hundred last year uh, from their event, a little over three hundred that 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 self identified as as a brand new podcaster. So they're out there. But when you had a event with fifteen hundred people versus event with uh, two hundred and fifty to three hundred and twenty-five, is my guess um, yeah. at Podfest, yeah. um, you just—it's it, a lot more condensed, and you see all those—you um, see those new folks a lot more than maybe I would have recognized it at uh, at Podcast Movement. But both events uh, had uh, are seeing a good influx of of new people. But one thing that um, you know, I was going through the speaker list, and one thing I've always tried to do is I say, do I know who this person is? And I think of the speakers that were there, I probably knew 10 or 12 um, that I actually knew who they were. Mm-hmm. So there was a lineup of uh, a lot of folks that I've never heard from before. And I just heard, too, that Dan said they got an, an massive number of submissions for podcast movement for speaking. Uh, they're going to have a hard time busting through that but um the format was a little different and i I guess the and and i will say um and this is nothing against the the um the organizers because they did a great job but one challenging thing i had and i feel a little bad uh, because it was something i was involved in um i didn't know i was going to be going up and actually talking about blueberry and what we do from advertising standpoint so they had uh, rep from Podbean, a rep from Blog Talk Radio, and me. They started the three of us out, and they started with Blog Talk, and he kind of went through their system, and then I basically kind of, well, I I basically said I don't believe in programmatic, and it. Some people said that I was a little rough on the Blog Talk guy. In retrospect, I probably was. I but the problem is, is he didn't have time enough time to come back and rebut me. He didn't have to come back. He didn't have an opportunity to come back. Say, well, Todd, I think you're wrong because of this, this, and this. He didn't have time to do this. So I actually felt bad um, in retrospect because um, there really wasn't a lot of dialogue. We kind of got like to say our piece. I said my piece. Podbean said their piece, and then we were kind of like escorted off the stage. And um, so I would recommend and and guys, Chris and the team, next year if you do that again, 
definitely allow some time for some some crisscross because you know if if I've said something that upset someone and they don't agree with it, I want them to be able to rebut and and call me out on it. Um, I, I had well, no idea. Yeah, and that's why it's, it's probably important to have um, all the panelists up there at one time instead of having it kind of like a you know come on up kind yeah. of a, a approach, which is what what he did. He had you know one came up and then he had another one come up and then those left those those panelists left and then he called up a couple more you know right right so and that type of format doesn't really lend itself towards um really any kind of debate or conversation you know and i and i apologize to the blog talk great the heat the other gentleman was on the panel had to leave and i talked to podbader who by the way i'm going to credit where credit's due he has gave me an awesome i mean awesome idea for the podcast awards i'll share it later on what he gave me an idea for so He'll get full credit for it. But, um, you know, I apologize. I said, you know, tell him I'm sorry. I just didn't know that it in, in, in me, I'm just blunt. So, uh, people aren't used to being around me that that has a a negative effect on people sometimes. (laughs) Well, we've been pretty, pretty blunt about programmatic on this show. Right. Right. So it's nothing new. And yeah. I, and I, and I, For us. I basically said at the end, you know, I'm not discounting that it could be, you know, I'm planning for it. I just not, I'm not ready yeah. to sacrifice CPMs at this point. And I know some yeah, people. I think we, I think Todd, you and I both agree that programmatic is coming. And right, it's right. going to be part of our space. Yeah. And we have to just accept that fact and uh, try and work as hard as we can to, to minimize the, the damage. <laughs> I didn't get to sit on any other panels, Rob, but. What you were in doing some live streaming with Spreaker, doing Spreaker Live. What was, uh, how was some of the other panels you got to sit in on? Well, I didn't actually sit on in very many panels. Actually, I moderated oh, one of the panels okay. um, during during the session. That that was pretty much my my content contribution. I I was involved in pulling together a panel on geolocal podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we pulled in some podcasters. Um, you know, you know, a husband and wife team from Miami and. And um, lost in Williamsburg uh, podcast, uh, you know, the host for that show, and and had them come in and talk about you know, their success that they found in in uh, building a show around a you know a local community or a city uh, around a topic that many people on a local and national level have passion for, you mm-hmm. know, and and that. Now more than ever, you know, it's uh, it's it's an opportunity to do that kind of a, a show these days as the podcasting space grows and the the listenership base is continuing to grow. Local communities based content uh, could could be an opportunity for those that want to produce content that caters to that and that, and are willing to work in the community to build awareness. And that was really the the focus of the panel. Gotcha. Um. I guess from a, the only other thing I could comment on on the event, and this is something Rob, you and I have talked about for many, many years, is that organizers need to um, be um, uh, manage and plan their after hour parties um, and make sure that the hotel knows what's coming at them or if they have a venue somewhere else. The a lot of people came up to the venue at the at the bar and they were 10 deep trying to get a drink and some people just gave up and left. So um, 
as, as an organizer, when you're talking with the venue, you make them understand that 300 people or 350 people are, are potentially going to impact your bar at a certain time so that they know to have enough uh, wait staff on and then make a concerted effort to make sure everyone knows that's where we're all going next for networking. Um, what I found at, and, and I think maybe this is a newbie thing is I found mostly the old timers <laughs> at the bar hanging out and networking. It was everyone that I knew pretty much. So a lot of the new folks that maybe didn't know that this were the was a good event to do networking didn't go. So my only advice to Chris and the team is your evening events and get that kind of consolidated up and make sure that if you have it somewhere where there's music that it's not loud and we can network and talk, but uh, make sure the drinks keep flowing because if not, people will go somewhere else. Yeah, that's true. And how, how really important those after hours oh, events really are. Super yeah. valuable. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in a lot of ways, that's that's where a lot of the value comes from, and going to those events. So, is being able to meet other people that you didn't get to meet during the 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 day because you were in sessions or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or or working um, booths like us. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing too, the venue the first day was brutal. Hundred degrees in that room. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It was hot. Um, day two wasn't as bad. Day three was better, but it was just sweltering. Maybe it wasn't. And it, actually, in the in the meeting rooms, it was freezing. But in the out where the vendors were, you know, we were all like fanning ourselves, and so. Well, I mean, we haven't even talked about the 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 NRB yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's we, a whole other discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah but um, and I think they can have some some tweaks and I know that their big thing um, at PodFest was to have people speak that maybe don't get to speak on a national stage. Um, but I think what that also does is it may impact you a little bit. Um, you know, there was, I think you have to bring in people that are, um, have a big scope look at the space a little more. Um, you, there's there's a there's a fine balance there, and I think it was a little bit too heavy. Person, this is my opinion, just looking at the speaker list of people that because when I when and this is me personally, and maybe folks that are new don't care because they think everyone's an expert. Um, I value a conference value on all right, who's going to be speaking and what value are they going to bring to me. Um, as an attendee, and if someone has regional, um, not uh, you know, as a regional person, maybe that's okay. But again, when I went through that list and saw who was speaking, I was like, I don't know who these folks are. I don't know what, you know, what value they bring to the table. And sure, maybe you're going to listen, but from a potential attendee, there's someone that would want to come from out of state to see to this event, that might limit the number of people that come from exterior states and i know chris may take some exception exception to that but that's kind of my at least my yeah. perspective when i'm looking at events i don't know, rob how do you see that well yeah i mean i think an example of it i think is the selection for who who gave the state of podcasting oh. um gabe gabe hobbs um 
who basically just got up there and and put together a bunch of slides on that that showed data from the Edison research folks and bridge ratings. And it's it's not because Gabe Hobbs is really any kind of podcasting expert. Um, he came from broadcast radio clear channel. I tried to, so, sh- I tried to share some stuff with him before his, the day before his session. And I, I showed him some data and he kind of dismissed it. I think maybe had his slides already done, but yeah. what, what really blew me away and I didn't find about it until later. Um, cause someone came up to me and said, Hey, by the way, did you hear about this? And I was like, what? And there was a comment made in his session that I was astounded. You can go back to my Twitter feed at Geek News and you can find it. I won't even say it over the during the show. It was incredibly it was, inappropriate. Yeah, it was pretty offensive. It to, was offensive to women, to podcast stats, the whole works. It, right. In, in in the remark I said to the person that showed me the quote if i had said that rob i would not be a a part of blueberry anymore i'd be done or there would have been major hell to pay and i would be sent to sensitivity school and I, i don't i don't think i could survive that as as a company director I mean, I think we can probably tease them a little bit on this without getting into too much explicit. Go ahead. But, but he he basically made an analogy between a prostitute and podcast statistics. <laughs> and ex- well, I'll just go on to say, ex- essentially, when you get them on the sheets, you can do anything you want with them. You know, just like, what? Yeah. yeah and he exactly. said, he prefaced it before he said it. This may offend someone. If you have to say that. Don't say it. Don't say it. Yeah. Don't say it. I saw him, you know, I was uh, the evening after. Didn't see him the day after the the comment, but I was, um, uh, he must have gotten some feedback from my tweet because he was at a different bar by himself um, and he wouldn't even acknowledge me, obviously. But I I just, it's inappropriate. So, um, you know, so, and it's completely out of the control of the show organizer when someone says some stuff like that. But I, you know, I brought it to the attention of the show organizer the next day so they understand, um, so they know what is said in case they missed it. But, yeah. Well, and I would, ex- they, can, they can make a different choice next year. And if, if I said something like that, I would expect the same ramifications. And, yeah. um, yeah, because I don't think you want somebody up on stage that could, drop a bomb like that well when you offend 50 at least in a minimum 50 percent of the people in the room you know we live in a time where this that 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 stuff is just not tolerated anymore well plus just 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 the implication that um that he can manipulate the data the podcast statistics any way he wants to kind of also implies a whole nother um level of um distrust and so I, I don't manipulation. Go, yeah. You know, I don't want to go too far in the weeds on this because it's just one person making one comment. Yeah. And I don't want it to shed badly on the on the whole event because it was it was a good event. 
and uh, we had a good time and got to meet a lot of great new people and but it does give a little bit of glimpse into how certain parts of the radio space can, you know, be a little rough, you know, so. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I agree. Um, because this is not the first comment that's been made by a radio guy that is, you know, a, an old school radio guy that's gotten some big eyes. So the good old boys days are over. Um, yeah. there was a large percentage of women that was at this event too. So, and very happy to see that. And, um, and it, it was a, a pretty diverse as well too. Yeah. So, um, but most and of all folks, those, all those women were pretty offended by it. So, but you know, um, talked to a lot of folks from all over the state. Um, yeah. I think a lot of them were drive-ins that came in, uh, obviously big fans of Chris and, and yeah. what the rest of the team there does. So it's, it's a lot of work, a lot of work to pull off an event like that. Massive amount of work. What'd you think of the, of the film? I thought the film was done well. I, th I, th I thought the cinematography of it was, was, was very well done. I yep. thought that the, the visuals and how, how he presented different, um, different locales and different, um, areas in, in the production was very, very well done. Nearly um, impossible to get a, you know, unless you had got millions of dollars of budgets, very impossible to get a much broader stroke than they did. Um, yeah. but I think the, the topics they picked, except for one, there was one, a little uh, topic that was a little, <laughs> I was kind of like, wow, I just didn't yeah. know about the show to begin with. I think it was more shock factor, anything else, but they were editing right up until like the hour before they premiered it. Oh, and and it's still not done. It's not yeah. done. So mm -hmm. they've got a lot of audio mastering to do um, yeah. on on the file or on the, but I would expect in a couple months, they'll probably have this thing ready packaged up. It's called the messengers. And um, um, they, they did uh, did a nice job. So uh, those that crowdfunded on it, uh, are, were, I think we're pretty happy. So, mm -hmm. you know, I heard about it late, late in the game and, on what was actually going on so it, it you know it was you know he did get a lot of regional support some national support too but it was uh um I, i'm glad that they did a good had a good you know did a did a nice job on it yeah, i think it was mostly an east coast production right well the the other one was a west coast production so that's right they had one from east and fair. one from west <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other one that we're talking about is the one that was focused on the comedians done by the LA Podfest. Yeah. Folks. Yeah. So, you know, if I, if I had a big fat check or, uh, you know, someone that could come in and, and write, uh, a million or $2 million to do a, and that probably wouldn't even cover it to do a mm -hmm. full on documentary. And I don't think you could do it in one episode. You'd take it 10, you know, 10 different episodes to, to cover it all. So, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, good job. And, uh, it was about 34, 35 minutes. So I, I thought it was gonna be a little longer, but again, they're still editing and they got a lot to add. So I assume they have a lot to add. I don't know. Well, certainly Florida is a great place to have an event too. Yeah. You know, it was warm, you know, lots of sunshine. Yep. Humidity. <laughs> Crocodiles. Uh, nope. What else? And we're, we were, we're right a there, little, we're, what else do you need? Yeah, it was good. The traffic sucked. Oh my God, Orlando! Never seen. It's like Honolulu. You know, I I, I go to the mainland to not be in traffic, but man, Orlando's horrible. 
but you'd get to see my daughter hung out with her and her fiance and a wedding dress and it was fun so uh it was good but um rob i basically uh we did a two-day meeting with my team we uh, locked ourselves in a villa at the same event that the uh, podcast was held at and uh, we crunched out uh, a stack of stuff that uh, we need to be doing and a stack of stuff that's still left over from last year and uh, are moving forward swiftly on that agenda. But then uh, Tuesday afternoon, I guess, I don't know what, you know, Monday afternoon we went over to and ran into you guys at Proclaim setting up the booth. Uh, I bugged out uh, Tuesday morning, but tell us, what was your what was your aspect of Proclaim this year? Well, it was a little different than, than last year. I, I also exhibited at last year's events in, in Nashville and it's a, it's a pretty good size event. You know, the, you're, you're talking thousands of people at that event versus, um, right. you know, hundreds at the podfest. But, um, so it's, it's very focused on, uh, faith-based podcasters and, um, or not necessarily podcasters. Most of them are, are media creators, um, either radio, audio, uh, or video and television is really the focus of that event. Um, podcasting is still kind of a glimmer in some of them's eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but most, most there are not really familiar with podcasting and, um, and a lot of them are a little more technically challenged. They're, they're older generation folks, so they, they don't really understand technology that well. So you spend a lot of time at that event, um, um, sharing basic, very basic concepts, um, around what this medium is and how they can take what they're doing presently and extend it over to on, on demand audio. Cause a lot of them are just thinking radio and video and television. So, um, there's a lot of education that goes on at that event, but it is reaching a genre in podcasting. That's quite large. It's the, it's the largest number of shows faith-based podcasters um, in the space today. Six. It's been that way for, for many years. Yeah, the, I think lifetime about 60,000. Mm-hmm. Which is a big number of shows. Yeah. And I, I believe just based on seeing people at this conference that that, that number is only going to grow. <laughs> well, one thing that uh, uh, Angelo told me was that because the session rooms were in a completely different area oh. than the exhibitor hall, that the yep. traffic was really down. Oh, it was. Yeah. And a lot of other, other people at the event felt that way as well. Uh, at Nashville last year, the, the exhibition and the conference areas were much more aligned with each other in the same area. Plus the, the food area was like right across from the exhibition room. So yeah. it was much easier for people to go get lunch and then stop by the exhibition afterwards. Uh, where at this event, the things were much more spread out. Yeah, they're going back to Nashville next year, so I think that'll yep. help on traffic. But I would definitely, you know, we're gonna, we're definitely going to send an email off to the show organizers and basically say, hey, your traffic sucked, <laughs> you know, or was significantly down. Um, yeah. You know, you, they have to understand, too, vendors go to meet customers and want an opportunity. They had no, like four o'clock hors d'oeuvres or wine or anything like that. They had no, no event in the afternoon to draw people in to the exhibit hall, which most vendors do or what most show organizers. And I understand it's a, a Christian related event, but uh, Christians still drink alcohol. You know, they, they still drink beer and wine and uh, they don't, that doesn't make them uh, any different from that perspective. And maybe the show just doesn't 
do that. I don't know, but they could have had something to help the volume of traffic. Yeah. Now the folks that at least the feedback I got back from Barry and Angelo who manned our booth was that, you know, there was uh, probably five or six people that we talked to that will pay for the show and more. Um, yeah. You know, so there was a hint, you know, those are, you know, those big enterprise clients that you want. Um, and then the opportunity, obviously, to reach folks that are considering, you know, believe yeah. it or not, uh, a huge number of people know us strictly because of PowerPress. So that is, yeah. you know, that helps us out too. But yeah, yeah I mean, there's um, large organizations there that, that participate in that event that um, have outreach, Christian outreach that uh, spans the globe and they, they have people scattered all over the place. Uh, in various countries all around the world, and they're they're creating content for each of those countries. So um, there are la are quite large networks um, th that that exist in that genre um, that can have hundreds of podcasts potentially uh, just off of one group of of evangelizing um, Christians. Right. If you want to put it put it clearly, what it is. Um, that's, that's what that organization is about is spreading the word of the, of God. So, and there was a lot of groups there regular, you know, so you've got the, you know, big name, um, radio networks like uh, Salem and right and, yep. that have more than Christian content. So yes. they have a, you know, full breadth of, of, of content. So those are the type of folks that, um, you know, make very good, uh, very good enterprise clients. So it, yeah. um, you know, that is, you know, one of the reasons we go to the event, but primarily we go for the, the small churches that are there. They're looking to, you know, do a yeah. podcast, reach your congregation. But anyway, yeah. And there's thousands and thousands of those. Right. Right. And there's just a small fraction that are actually doing podcasts today. And which just seems insane, really. If you think about how many active yeah, but sure. but it's a it's a technical knowledge thing, and it's a budget thing. And it's an understanding thing. I mean, a lot of them have you know mixers and microphones and production yeah. capability right now. That they're just not funneling it right. uh, oftentimes in our direction yet because they don't understand it, they don't know how to do it, mm -hmm. uh, and that's what you spend a lot of time doing at that conference yeah. is educating. And it's one of the the things that I know that Rob Walsh has been working on, and I did as well last year, is trying to work with the kind of the executive team of the NRB to um, try and encourage them to have a, a stronger set of um, panels and content for the conference around podcasting. But they didn't, did they? They they had one session that had a couple people that were in there. There were the moderator of the panel has a pretty successful faith based podcast, mm -hmm. so she was good. But they're they're not people that have a reputation in the podcasting space mm -hmm. and have, you know, or, or that represent any kind of a publishing platform that can bring some expertise mm -hmm. to a panel session. So that, that, that's the thing that doesn't yet exist at that conference yet. Well, overall, we've been busy or you have, and you know, I got, uh, yeah, I got a break though. I got to come home. I've been home since Tuesday. <laughs> you got home yeah. last night. So, uh, yeah, two, it's the first time I've ever done two back-to-back -back conferences. Um, what'd you do in between? Did you go to Disneyland or did you, what'd, what'd you do the two days you were off? We went uh, out to NASA and oh. went out, looked out there. And then also we spent part of the day l looking for the biggest crocodile we could find. So, oh. 
Okay. So we went croc, croc looking. At, at some like croc tour place where they do croc wrestling. And did you really go Florida style? Oh, yeah. Oh. All, 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 all the way, you know, the looking in every pond, you know, as you're driving down the road, looking for the, you know, the crocodiles in the ponds. Are you serious? Uh, you just didn't go uh, to a croc museum or something? They have them all over. <laughs> we we did go to a couple, but we weren't as enthused about seeing them in a no uh, captivity, a, a, a caged environment. <laughs> yes, because they tended to be very lazy. So right. they were like laying around all the time. Yeah, because they've been fed. They, get, yeah. they get their chicken every day instead of a human. So um, so we wanted to go to where the crocodiles were in their natural oh, habitat, so where you, they could they could consider consuming us, which would make the they would be more likely to move more. Well, you have to, if you go down into the Everglades a little bit, uh, you know, you'll have as equal of an opportunity to run into a python as you would a um, a crocodile. So, you know, you know, the only good snake is a dead snake. So I'm, you know, (laughs) it probably applies to a crocodile. Uh, Well, I'm not going to get close enough to, to kill one. So, uh, you know, (laughs) but, uh, anyway, they, they eat good. Yeah. I had some crocodile nuggets. So that, did you now? Yeah, I wow. did. Yep. So paybacks, the, paybacks a bitch. Yeah, you know the the the, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, the three three. You know, I had some awesome, couple of awesome meals, and I had a couple of crappy meals. So it was kind of a mixed bag down there on food. Um, they're yeah. used to dealing with tourists, so you know we got yeah. sucked up into the in the fish place we went. Oh my God, was it good? Oh yeah, oh. yeah. It's, it's feast or famine down there. I'll tell you when it comes yeah. to food quality. Yeah. You know, grouper, uh, ugly fish. But I had the best grouper that I've ever had in my life, and in, in, in down there in, in Orlando, it was it was just exquisite. But um, I don't know. I just it was a it was a good uh, good trip, and I guess we'll be back next year. I know I'm going to be back next year for a wedding. Uh, same exact weekend, I'll be giving my daughter away. So. Um, we'll see what happens if the podcast is on the same weekend. I probably won't be there, but, um, we had a, had a good time. Yeah. It was a good trip. I came back, I came back to, um, absolutely downpour flooding here in Hawaii. It's just been crazy. So don't have to worry about water in my yard for, for a month. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I brought back the sun to Seattle. So good. It's good. It's good. So, So there's a lot other happening. I mean, we've just scratched the surface on stuff that's going on. I mean, there's a huge amount of news. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's like um we could there do was a 3 hour show Todd. Yeah, there was a talk about the rain summit. Uh lots of article about the iPhone, the phone is the new radio, stuff from the UK. Um it's a uh, lots a lots of move. Even news out of Nepal. On a Indian based, I guess that's correct. And is is Nepal in India? Yeah, uh, uh, well, no, I'm Nepal is Nepal. Oh, so okay. I think it's its own country. I think it's I'm well, stupid. It's next to it's next to China. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm an idiot. So, um, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, and of course, uh, lots of announcements. Some stuff that happened with. Um, Let's see here. Vox Media in, uh, names uh, its first executive producer for audio. There was an announcement by um, Ad Large uh, partnering with uh, Panoply, uh, a megaphone platform. 
-hmm. There's uh, the, I think it's the NPRs doing a new campaign, urging you to tell your friends about podcasts. All this stuff can be found on podpod.com. Get subscribed to their newsletter over there. And I got to meet the pod, uh, the other half of the pod to pod team. Um, So that was cool. That's great. He was at Podfest. But uh, lots and lots uh, of news going on. Anything else that comes top of mind that we've missed, Rob? There's a bunch of articles out that came out last week about live podcasts, oh, uh, yep. which isn't, which may not be what you think it is. It's it's live on stage um, oh. show show productions. So when they use the word live, they're they're not necessarily saying live streaming. They're they're saying just live on stage productions seems to be growing in its importance. It's a way to sell tickets. Is what it comes down to. Yeah, people can make make money off of going and doing your podcast in front of a live audience. Is what it really means. Well, we've done that. And never charged for it, have we, Rob? We, we, I know. Jeez. Yeah, we should. What, what What were we thinking? We, you know, next time we we do one of those, we have uh, an event. Or we're going to have to get. Uh, maybe we can just do a volunteer thing. We'll pass the hat and see if we can take up a collection. I'm sure we'll get uh, fifty cents or a buck or two in there. So. Yes, that's true. I'm sure we can at least get fifty cents or a buck. And if we go to if we go to, if we go to New York, we could uh, rent a theater out. And I'm sure we would probably go broke doing it because no one would come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why should they come? They can just listen to us here, right? And watch us here. By yeah, the way, we've exactly. had a pretty good uh, pretty good group on the live stream today on on YouTube. So the YouTube numbers have been up. So uh, well, lots of good. people are watching on YouTube. We are at facebook.com forward slash Cochran, where you can come over and be part of the Peanut Gallery and fetus information over there yeah. too so but uh i think we're we're about new media showed out this morning but i think so i think we've tapped tapped our potential <clears throat> so a couple of guests have uh, expressed interest in coming on the show so uh we'll have some announcements about that i uh, don't know if it's going to be next week but um who knows after this maybe we'll maybe the omni folks will stick their head out and we'll want to come on i know rob is rob walsh is done with his uh his coaching so he's going to be able to come on here in the next couple weeks and we did actually um talk to dan dan franks who's going to join us at some point here too to talk about podcast movement and yeah oh it's other, uh, other stuff so they've uh the the podcast movement folks have opened nominations for um the hall of fame and yep. uh, I've got a couple of people that I think would be good to, good people to nominate for the Hall of Fame. So if you want to get on my bandwagon and help out and co-nominate a couple of people, drop me a line and I'll be willing to share uh, who, uh, who I think are, are deserving. But I'm sure there's probably going to be about 100 people that are going to be submitted. But the requirement is the person has to have at least 10 years um, in the podcasting space. doesn't necessarily mean hey, they have to be active, but uh, someone cuts the list down pretty quick yeah it does <laughs> so um but there's still a lot of, of good folks that are active and not active in the space that uh have been in the space at least 10 years too so and that list is going to get bigger as time goes on so yeah um, that's true. and they're only inducting five or six people a year so um it's going to take a while to get through i don't you know it's i guess i i don't fully they're going. They're doing, having public nominations and full members of the academy. I guess get to vote. I, I'm a little leery on that. 
Uh, I'll probably vote this year. I haven't voted in years past, but uh, mm-hmm. um, anyway, that uh, that does it for us. Rob, where they can reach you? Uh, Rob at robgreenlee.com is a great place to email um, on Twitter at Rob Greenlee, and that's with two E's. And uh, those are the best best places. Um, so I do, actually, I'm going to be doing a speaker live show next uh, Wednesday. So I'm sure there'll be some more discussion about PodFest and, and uh, what happened at uh, Proclaim 17, so NRB. Yep. And, of course, uh, you can reach me uh, on Twitter at Geek News. You can, yep. uh, for my personal show, it's geeknews at gmail.com, or if you just want to reach me uh, at Blueberry, it's Todd at Blueberry.com. So uh, I'm sure we're going to get some feedback, and uh, we'll see how the – if people actually take the time to listen, they'll understand our perspective. There's only so much you can do in a Facebook post. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so uh, reporters and podcasters, happy to talk to you about everything. So anyway, that's – that's yeah, it. Definitely. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you next time here on the new media show. Again, uh, subscribe, tell your fellow podcasters about the show, tell fellow reporters about the show. They can <laughs> learn a lot by listening and ask uh, relevant, we hope educational questions. So, uh, everyone take care. We'll see you next time here on the new media show. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.